You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Find the show on Twitter and most social media websites at Locked On Hornets. You can find myself at Walker Mail, Doug at Doug Branson, L-O-H, and Nada at Nada the Scribe. Now let's go to the guest line where we have Rick Bennell. Didn't get it last week, but we'll have him on again this week. You can find Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, thanks so much for joining us once again. How are you? I, I'm just great, Walker. You know, I mean, I, I mean, I know they're not playing well, but you know, skip it over. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> totally cool. I understand. No, only, no, only, no problem. Just, only good news I wanted to talk about, Rick. I didn't want to. I didn't want to have you on. I didn't want to discuss it a little bit. I wanted to give you a break from covering what has not been a very good stretch of basketball. We got one much-needed win against the Brooklyn Nets on the road. Other than that, Rick, they've been in games. They were in that game against Golden State. Fourth quarter, it dwindles away. Same thing with the Houston Rockets. We just saw it with Portland. Rodney Hood exploded for a ton of points, and they eventually couldn't hold on to any kind of chance of winning in that game. And, and Rick, just what you're seeing in the fourth quarter, this has been the same episode that we've seen the last couple of seasons. When the fourth quarter comes about, Hornets can't find a way to hold on. Is there anything that you're seeing this go around with the fourth quarter struggles, or is this just kind of the same thing that you've seen the last three, two years now? Actually, Walker, if you're asking me about game to game, you know, I'm sorry, quarter to quarter um, um, issues, I actually think the bigger one is I think they have now gone eight straight first quarters giving up 30 or more points. Um, you know, we joke about that old, uh, you know, that, that old thing about parents telling their kids, you know, walk up 20 miles, walk uphill 20 miles through the snow both ways to school. Um, they create such a, a thing to overcome by how badly they play in the first um, quarter that all those good second and third quarters are just getting even again. So in that regard, I, I guess we can't be terribly surprised that they don't always have sufficient energy in the fourth quarter because they have to do so much to get back in the game. Rick, the Charlotte Hornets are in quite the battle, trying to find a way to get into the postseason. You've seen Orlando. They have caught up to the Charlotte Hornets. Miami just caught up to the Charlotte Hornets as well. You've seen Brooklyn kind of falter a little bit, but they did get at least one win against the Hornets post-All-Star break. It doesn't look good. It looks like their chances are dwindling to make the postseason. This is a basketball team that... Their entire message, their entire goal, this all, all this season, it was to make it to the 2018-2019 playoffs. It doesn't seem like that is a foregone conclusion by any stretch of the imagination. Rick, how big of an issue would it be if the Hornets don't make the playoffs this year? Well, I don't think anybody should lose their jobs over it, but you know, the, the reality is they made, they made making the playoffs a big deal. You know, they were, they were unambiguous about that. And I don't think that that was the wrong strategy. Uh, I know a lot of people think that they should just have, you know, stopped trying to win games, and I don't agree with that, with this veteran group. But, you know, when you think about it, you know, they have a bunch of veterans who are getting paid very well. They made a very smart little free agent move when they convinced Tony Parker to be here. They got rid of the distraction that is Dwight Howard. And despite all that, in a not very good, you know, bottom of the Eastern Conference, 
I think there's less than a 50-50 chance of them making it now. Um, we're going to know that, by the way. I, I'm, I'm convinced if they're not above 500 going into that West Coast trip that starts in Los Angeles, I don't give them much chance at all, do you? No, it's going to be tough, and we talked about that specific trip. Now, they do have a couple of games against the Wizards. You, know, you do have some games that are going to help, but again, once you get to that stretch, it's certainly not going to help the Charlotte Hornets at all. And I think they do look bleak, and now it certainly looks like Rick, the future of Malik Monk looks bleak to a lot of fans out there. Malik, they, it seemed like Borrego would put him in his normal rotation spot, give him about five, six, seven minutes, see what Malik would be able to give you offensively if he able to hit a couple shots. He didn't anytime post All-Star break, and then he wouldn't get played again. Now we're getting DNP CDs from Malik, Rick. What is your prognosis on Malik Monk and the outlook, I guess, for his future and how you see it? Uh. First of all, I respect the fact that JB is is doing what he thinks is right and not worrying about, you know, things that, you know, administrations that preceded him. Um, The problem with Malik is the same problem we've been talking about for two years now. He needs to be great offensively to overcome his deficiencies defensively. Um, Jeremy Lamb's just a lot better than him in a lot of different ways. you know, you're not going to get in the you're not getting the rebounding with, you know, when you know um, that Lamb gives you when Monk's out there. You're you know, Jeremy Lamb is never going to be remembered as a great defender, but he is you know he's he's got some length and he makes you know he makes the effort and you know he's just in most ways he's better than Malik. What Malik is is a guy who on a given night is going to score you know 20 points in a very short amount of time. The problem is. It's totally unpredictable when that night is coming, and there's not a margin for error right now to let him have four bad games in order to get that one really good one. What does it mean that MKG isn't getting any minutes anymore? Uh, That surprises me a bit more than than a reduced role for for Monk. Um, We'll see. You know, the only thing that we know for certain about James Borrego rotations is that they they don't last very long. Um, the starters last long, but um, you know change is inevitable. You know when he said, I found it interesting when he said before you know, in the pregame before Portland that uh, you know when when he was asked about Kaminsky, he said, "I hope this is the rotation the rest of the year, and and uh, and Monk and and MKG are just going to have to stay ready." Of course they should stay ready because there's nothing about the patterns of this season that suggests that the, uh, you know, that, that the um, um, rotations are not, uh, are not incredibly changeable still. So Rick Monk doesn't get any playing time right now. MKG hasn't for the last two games. Miles Bridges gets moved up to the starting lineup post-All-Star break, and Jeremy Lamb gets quote-unquote relegated, if you will, but he's still getting a ton of minutes and playing as one of the five best players on this basketball team. But Miles Bridges is a guy that's actually in the starting lineup right now. And Rick, is this a product of what the front office wants? Is this coming from the top down as far as Borrego putting Miles Bridges there? I don't believe that anything that is happening in-game is a product of something that Mitch Kupchak is dictating James Borrego. Uh, I think that, you know, to use the famous Jim Velvano expression, I think that they're all in survive and advance mode right now. And I think whatever is happening as far as minutes 
is entirely about the right here and right now and has nothing to do with, well, you know, get more minutes for Miles Bridges because Jeremy Lamb might be back. I don't think I, – I totally understand why I get those questions from fans. Um, but I think that the, it, the, the simplest explanation for this is the obvious, is the accurate one. Tony Parker been a little bit more inconsistent post All Star break. We've seen some good games, but also we've seen some games where he's been absent. And now, Rake, there's no denying just the overall impact that he's had on this team. You look at his contract situation. There's a team option for him next season. And we were discussing earlier on the wake up call just what it all means if Kimball Walker is gone. What is that? What is that going to mean for the rest of the decisions that the Charlotte Hornets team has to make? Well, and I, I was thinking Tony Parker. A team option, sure, it is the Hornets' decision technically, but is this a situation where maybe if Kimba does leave in free agency, Tony Parker certainly going to be on a team that's not going to win a whole lot of basketball games given the cap restrictions. Would this be a scenario where the Hornets might do Tony a solid and let him go? Would there be a mutual agreement where Tony would leave? Just what do you think would happen with Tony Parker in the scenario that Kimba leaves and this is not a playoff basketball team? I should think in this particular situation, I have no particular knowledge of this, but I got to believe that if they went into, you know, full-on rebuild mode in the absence of Kemba, and Tony said, I'd like to play next season, but I, you know, but I want it to be on a team that actually has a chance to do something in the playoffs, I'd be very surprised if they did not release him from his contract in that particular circumstance. Um they owe Tony a huge debt of gratitude for coming here. And hopefully, even if he, if Tony is not on a playoff team with the Charlotte Hornets, he will be remembered as a guy who made them better. And I think a guy who will have some kind of legacy as far as, you know, spending some time teaching, you know, whether it's Malik Monk or Devontae Graham how to be a better pro. There are other player options on this team, Rick, so let's use the same scenario that Kimball Walker does leave. You still have quite a few veterans on this team. I think Marvin Williams is a little bit interesting, somebody that is a useful basketball player but getting a little bit older. Would he be somebody that might opt out of his player contract, maybe get a longer-term deal for not as much money annually, but maybe a longer-term deal with a team that is going to be certainly better than the Hornets if Kimball Walker leaves? How, How likely of a scenario would you see Marvin leaving in that example? I'll answer that question as far as all three of them. You know, that also applies to Bismarck, Biombo, and MKG. Um, they make $17 million for Biz, $15 million for Marvin, $13 million for MKG. I think that any one of them who went on the open market now, their salary would go down so much that I just don't think it's the risk of walking away from that money. I'd be... I would be surprised if uh, if any of one of them opted out. Put it this way, Walker, I would be far less surprised if Tony Parker is not on this team next season than I would be that any one of those three are not. What about Jeremy Lamb, Rick? Kimball Walker leaves. What, what do you do with Jeremy Lamb if Kimball Walker leaves and if Kimball Walker stays? Um, you know, strangely enough, I wonder if, if – if, if Kemba decided to go elsewhere, I wonder if that would increase the yeah. the possibility of Jeremy was back just because, you know, I don't I don't know about you, but I sure do not feel good about the the uh the options if uh you know, if, if they're if they're left to, you know, what to do with Malik. I think you're going to see, I'll put it this way, Walker. If um 
if Kemba's not back, I think you're going to see uh, a uh, a Nick Batum staying at shooting guard and a Miles Bridges starting at small forward, and more than likely, that's how you would see it there also. But my gosh, you know, no matter whether Jeremy was a starter or a reserve, you know, he'd deserve a, a really nice pay raise to come back here. And- um, it would just – it would make – you know that, that if if you see neither Kemba nor Jeremy back, you know they're go, you know they're basically in tank mode. Well, and, and certainly. And Rick, last question before we get you out of here. You look at just the season overall, and we've got you know quite a bit of games left to go before the season does come to an end. So we we can ask this at the end of the season as well. But I'm just curious as to your opinion on where the Charlotte Hornets are now compared to what you thought they might be at the beginning of the season. Are they relatively the same, or are you surprised the way that something has happened as we've gone all this time? I think their record is relatively what I thought it would be in October. I think they teased us with some some games in uh, you know in in uh, in, uh, in November that made us think they were better than they were. Um, the thing that kind of shocks me is is how little you know they started out with a pattern of being really bad on the on the road but really good at home and now that's a, just a jumble. Um, we may remember the 2018-19 season more than anything else for this way. They didn't steal enough games against good teams to make up for the teams that they kept losing to that were bad. Certainly. Rick Bennell, Charlotte Observer, joining us here on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find Rick on Twitter at Rick underscore Bennell. Rick, we always appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Sure thing, Walker. Have a great day. Want to give a quick shout out to the Essex Home Studios for housing us here, 730 The Game ESPN Charlotte. But as always, want to give a quick shout out to the Gittimer.com studios in Uptown Charlotte. If you're in sales and need help, visit Gittimer.com today to learn how they can help you do the one thing you want to do, and that's make more sales. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back with segment two here. It's the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. <laughs> now, here's the funny part i was listening to this to prep it for the show and um my wife walks in and was like what are you yeah listening right. to that's a little scary cool. if, if you don't have the context if you walk in and you start hearing that yeah that's darth vader i didn't have pants on that didn't help <laughs> yeah, either. No, um, it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast Some interesting stuff with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer. We always appreciate his time here on Locked on Hornets. As you can tell, by the way, no Doug Branson today. Should be joining us again tomorrow where we will preview that Miami Heat game. Such a big game, as you heard Rick allude to, having to get to 500 at that point where you do take that road trip. That road trip entails Milwaukee. It entails Houston. Another road game against Washington, another road game against the Miami Heat. So Washington and Miami, both a couple of winnable games. But once you get to that second road trip, so that second one entails the Lakers on the road, Golden State, Utah, and New Orleans. If you can't get to 500 by that road trip, then yeah, it doesn't look good for the Charlotte Hornets. And let's talk about what would happen if the Hornets don't make the playoffs. How big of a deal that is. You know, Rick Bennell mentioning it at the beginning of that interview. Also want to get in to the rotations by Borrego and the, and what he's done 
and also just maybe some of the player options next season. If Kimball Walker decides to leave, how that affects all of the other players and what they decide to do, including Jeremy Lamb, which I thought was interesting. Rick's comments there, and we'll get to that here in just a little bit. Again, I, I want to focus on the Charlotte Hornets. If they don't make the playoffs, how big of a deal that is. And it kind of entails Jeremy Lamb, and it, it does include why they didn't trade Jeremy, why they didn't trade Kemba Walker, because if you knew you weren't going to make the playoffs anyway, they gave it the good old college try. And if they don't make it, then you'll kind of look back on this situation and think, well, here we are in a situation where the Hornets actually have a worse draft pick, and they tried to make the playoffs, and they failed. So let's say they actually do fail. Now, who knows what that does to Kemba Walker, but if Kemba Walker leaves and that might be part of the reason then you could have traded him and got some assets. If you don't make the playoffs and you keep on to Kimba Walker, then you could have traded Jeremy Lamb for some kind of value in return because it doesn't seem like Jeremy is going to return with this team as long as you bring back Kimba. just looks like the money is going to be too much. I would certainly bet that Jeremy Lamb would leave this team. And so if you don't make the playoffs, but Kimba Walker does stay, the only reason you didn't trade Jeremy was because you did try to make the playoffs as best as you could. And Jeremy certainly would have helped that. But now, if you don't get anything in return, and I don't know if you would have done it for anything less than a first-round pick, protected, somehow, sure. But you don't have anything in return now as you watch him walk for the $15 million that he's going to get on the open market. And so the Hornets need to make the playoffs if you want to justify what they did. Now, yes, there is some benefits of them missing. Oh, the, the benefit is they do get a higher draft pick. You know, instead of being outside of the lottery, they will be inside the lottery with a minimal chance of getting a top five pick. So they'll probably be picking at, you guessed it, number 11 again, somewhere around that region. But just think about how big it is, especially with James Borrego preaching. This is a team that was gunning for the playoffs. And I don't know if I had a huge problem with that, if you would have traded Kimba Walker by the deadline or traded Kimba Walker last offseason, even when Mitch Kupchak was very new to the job, that would have made a lot of sense. It would have shown that, hey, this is our clear direction. We are going to try to rebuild. This is a team that is good enough to make the playoffs, but not going to be much better than the ceiling listed at that sixth seed for the Hornets. So if you would have gone that direction, I would have understood. But now the Charlotte Hornets don't look like they are going to make the playoffs. It's going to be tough. We know how tough the last little bit of this schedule is. And if they don't make it, it's just interesting to think of how big the ramifications are. And I also want to go back to James Borrego's rotations. Rick discussing, is this at all influenced by Mitch Kupchak and the top of the organization? Is Miles Bridges in the starting lineup because Miles Bridges is a part of this team's future? And very much so you could see this team having a starting lineup that does include even Miles Bridges, even Malik Monk. If Kimba does decide to go and they start rebuilding and trying to help the assets develop as much as they possibly can, you could certainly see that. Is Miles Bridges just getting that starting time quicker than we all thought? He's not getting as much minutes as Jeremy Lamb. He's not as good as Jeremy Lamb, who it seems weird to just say he got relegated to the bench because he's playing as well as anybody on the team outside of Kimba Walker. But Jeremy Lamb is somebody that doesn't get included in the starting lineup anymore. I agree that James Borrego probably isn't doing it because 
the top is telling him to do so. I think Borrego, we, we've seen him shuffle the deck a million times. We're still getting the same cards dealt to us, but he is shuffling the deck. That's something that he's done all season long. The one in, I'm interested in how the Hornets team looks if Kimball Walker does decide to go. And of course, it's not going to be a good basketball team. I'm not interested in their wins and loss record. I'm interested in what they decide to do with the Jeremy Lamb if Kimba does leave and he's the first domino to fall. If he leaves before they make a decision on Jeremy, what Marvin Williams would do, what Tony Parker would do. And I agree with Rick that Marvin probably falls in the same category as an MKG and as a Bismack Biombo. Maybe not a Bismack, because I don't think there's any shot in hell that Bismack would ever opt out of his contract. I do think there is there a tiny shot that maybe Marvin would opt out of his contract. I, I think there is. I know I'd, it seems like I'm the only one that thinks that he could opt out of a of his deal now and maybe take a longer term contract. I, I just feel like I could see it. I think Marvin does provide something for another team out there. And maybe MKG could as well, even though he's not getting any playing time the last couple of games. I always go back to a quote that Kevin Artovitz said to me just last year. And there have been times that MKG has played well this year, but there's also been times where you've seen his minutes reduced, and now he's getting DNP CDs. But I always go back to this quote Kevin Artovitz said. He says he knows GMs that wouldn't let MKG walk through the door. And while I don't think that would be what smart GMs do, I think there is a spot for MKG in the NBA, certainly a spot that allows him to walk through the door of your office. But I'm just interested in if MKG, I, I you think MKG certainly takes that money if the GMs in the NBA have that kind of perception of him. Marvin, I feel like maybe if you wanted to, could Marvin get half of the money, but with a three-year deal, would anybody sign him to a three-year deal even though he's like 32 years old? I don't know. I'm just interested to see what those two would do. But I, I do agree. If you ask me what Marvin would do to bet my money on it, I would say that Marvin probably does opt in, make the $15 million, and then go after another contract after this one is said and done. But if Kimball Walker is gone and these guys, all the veterans, decide to stay on the team, I do think Jeremy Lamb and Tony Parker, That's the one, those are the two decisions that I truly do think come down to a 50-50 decision. So Tony Parker, I would say, would probably leave the Hornets. As well he should. If Kimball Walker leaves, I don't want Tony to be here. Even as a Charlotte Hornet fan, I would like Tony to go somewhere else. One, he won't help us win as many basketball games. And if you lose Kimba, it quite literally is a tank job. You know, there, There's not winning a whole lot of games here. So Tony Parker, we don't need him to help us win games. I want to see Tony Parker continue to play for a contender. I would like to go see that. And I would imagine Tony Parker would like to see that in himself as well. And so even though it's a team option, if Kimba stays and you're the Hornets, you pick that option up because you're trying to make the playoffs again. But if Kimba Walker leaves, then I think Mitch Kupchak and company would probably just let Tony Parker go. Wouldn't make sense a whole lot to keep Tony unless you just wanted the veterans to try to mentor the younger guys and make them better. And I think there is some value in that. That would make sense if you want to look at it in that regard. And I get that. But just from Tony Parker's standpoint, he said himself, I don't know how much a year has changed this, but Tony Parker said himself he wasn't ready to be a coach yet. He was fine being a coach player, but not just a coach yet. And San Antonio moved on from him. I bet Tony would really help the Spurs out right now if you look at it in hindsight. But Tony Parker doesn't want to be a strictly a coach yet. And if he's got one more year left in him, 
would he go out there and sign another contract with another team? And I think that would be the best thing to happen for both parties. If Kimball Walker leaves, you're not seeing Tony Parker on this team again. And now Jeremy Lamb, if Kimball Walker leaves, Rick saying right there, kind of thinking out loud, he wonders if Jeremy Lamb would actually get re-signed by the Charlotte Hornets if they don't bring back Kimba. And at that point, you know, I wonder how bad that team would be. Like, we know the Charlotte Hornets rely heavily on Kimba Walker, but would it be in contention for the number one overall pick bad? And is it Nick Batum, Marvin Williams, Jeremy Lamb, MKG, all the veterans, Miles Bridges and Malik Monk, I think, getting a lot of playing time, and we'll see if they give up on Malik Monk at some point next season if Malik doesn't improve at all, and we'll see what he does this offseason. But does that team... Get a top five overall selection in next year's draft? Does he get the top five odds at least? Because I don't think it gets bottom three. I don't think they lose as many games as the Phoenix Suns, despite them actually beating the Milwaukee Bucks a couple times this season. I don't think that team is Phoenix Suns bad. You know, and if you don't sign Kimba Walker, remember they're going to throw the max at this guy if they keep him. So if they don't sign Kimba and you bring back Jeremy Lamb for, you know, let's say he just gets the 15 million that we've kind of put on him going to another team. Oh, you're going to try to, you've got enough cap space to go after some other guys. I'd be interested to see what they decide to do. Do you let Jeremy Lamb just walk or do you keep him and have that team? It's certainly, you're not doing everything you can to lose if you sign Jeremy Lamb. And so I'd be interested to see what the Charlotte Hornets team, we, we all, yes, we all understand that this is going to be a tank job if Kimball Walker decides to leave, if the Hornets let him go, or he just decides to leave on his own. But we're not really talking about exactly what decisions the Hornets would make after that, about Jeremy Lamb, about the player options with these guys, whether they would actually 100% buy in. Certainly most of them would, but what does Tony Parker do, and what do the Hornets do with that team option? We're approaching this territory if the Charlotte Hornets don't make the playoffs, and it certainly doesn't look great right now. We'll take a quick break. We've got one more segment for you here on today's show. It's Walker Mail on the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets podcast. Did he go with Myers Leonard as his first comparison as a big man hitting from the three-point line? Oh, did I say Leonard? I meant uh, Miles Turner. Okay. (laughs) You did. I think you said Miles Leonard. That was on me. Sorry about that. That's a bad mistake. I know when I think shooting big men, Myers Leonard is the first guy that comes to mind. Absolutely. I was thinking Steve Clifford and I might be Hot the shot. same wavelength. Hot shot, there. Myers Leonard. <laughs> that's, that's his nickname. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Last segment here, Locked On Hornets Podcast. Locked On Podcast Network, we appreciate you once again for joining us today. Are you in your car a lot, driving to work, driving the kids around? If you have a smart device in your car and more and more of you are starting to have one of those, tell your smart device to play Locked On Hornets. Don't fumble around with your phone and Bluetooth. Just say play Locked On Hornets and make drive time. LOH time. We just got one more segment here today. I just wanted to take a look at some of the other teams the Hornets are going to be going up against for that last, maybe last couple playoff spots. The Hornets, they do have the Miami Heat on Wednesday, so that's the next game for the Heat, and they're both tied as far as their record goes. 29-34. and 34. As far as games tonight, 
You do have the Orlando Magic taking on the Philadelphia 76ers, but they play them on the road. But this is one of those games that Orlando has been winning here recently. You look at what they've done really their last six, seven games or so. So they lose to the Cleveland Cavaliers on the road, one of the worst basketball teams in the NBA. They lose to them by 14 points, by the way, but they beat the Indiana Pacers by five on the road. They beat Golden State at home 103 to 96. They lose to the New York Knicks on the road, 108 to 103. So that was a gift Orlando gave you. Then they took it back, beating Golden State and Indiana. They gave it right back to you, losing to Cleveland. Let's go back a couple games before that they actually lost the New York Knicks game. They lost to the Chicago Bulls, but then they beat the Toronto Raptors. This schedule is exactly the opposite of what you would think the Orlando Magic would do. All of this happening since they destroyed the Hornets. This is all post-All-Star break. So they lose to the Bulls. They beat the Raptors. They lose to the Knicks. They beat the Warriors. They beat the Pacers. They lose to the Cavs. That is exactly the opposite of what you would guess the Orlando Magic would actually do post-All-Star break. And yet here they are. 30-35 and 35 after that win against the Hornets right before we entered the All-Star break. That embarrassing, embarrassing loss for Charlotte. The Orlando Magic right with the Charlotte Hornets as far as vying for that last playoff spot. You look at tomorrow, the games that are going to take place. Brooklyn plays Cleveland. Brooklyn hasn't been playing all that great of basketball. They're 33-33 and 33 right now. Cleveland is 16-48. and 48. You certainly would expect Brooklyn to be the favorite at home against Cleveland. Detroit is playing Minnesota. Tomorrow, they're playing at 7 o'clock. Detroit is currently 500. They sit at 31 and 31. They play Minnesota, who's 29 and 34. Detroit gets Minnesota at home. And Washington, they get Dallas. And Washington, while they're probably not in the mix a whole lot, they're only three games back of the Charlotte Hornets. So Washington, 26 and 37. The Hornets, 29 and 34. Washington, maybe they get that win against Dallas at home. Uh, that would bring them, if, if the Hornets lose to the Heat, which certainly is possible, Washington wins against Dallas. I'm not saying they're going to be in the playoff hunt, but is, is this going to be another team that potentially flirts enough with the Charlotte Hornets enough to pass them? So those are just a few of the teams that are going to be playing tomorrow night and a couple of the games that I just mentioned here that will be taking place tonight. And the Boston Celtics, it looks like they're going to lose yet another game. They actually have a back-to-back. So Boston is playing tonight against the Golden State Warriors. They're playing on the road. That's going to be at 1030. You don't think that they're going to win that game. Boston, the wheels are coming off, and we all know it. So we'll see if they're actually able to win that one. But also they play again the next night. And when they play on March 6th, that would be Wednesday, the Boston Celtics. After playing the Golden State Warriors, they also face the Sacramento Kings. And that one is going to be on the road. They got a little bit of a mini West Coast road trip. So we'll see what the Boston Celtics are able to do. But more importantly, we're going to see if the Charlotte Hornets can get some help from the other teams that they're battling for, for that last little playoff spot that is up for grabs for some of the bottom dwellers in the Eastern Conference. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Lockdown Hornets. We'll be back with you tomorrow.